Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Marnie Swedberg, and I welcome you to Marnie and Friends, a place where leaders share practical, helpful, and encouraging ways to get anything important done faster, better, and smarter. Right now, I encourage you to sit back, buckle up, and join us for fun, laughter, practical help, and clear thinking, the kind of discussion that focuses our attention off of the fluff and onto the most important stuff in life. Again, welcome to Marnie's Friends. Let's get going. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Marnie's Friends. So excited to have you along with us this afternoon for our wonderful program with W.L. Laney, a management training program on strategic mindsets for turning adversity into advantage. Our guest today, W.L. Laney, is a self-help author with emphasis on personal development and business startups and successful operational small businesses. And he's here today to help us discover how he turned adversity into successful business and wound up helping other people in the process. During this hour, you can expect to learn the importance of attitude in turning adversity into advantage, four keys to reprogramming your psychological baggage, the three keys to transplanting a new power attitude, and the success intravenous infusion that WL uses all the time and more. So right now, I'd like you to welcome with me WL Laney. Hi. Hello there, Marnie. How are you? I'm great and so excited to have you with us this afternoon. Glad you could be here and so curious what you have to share with us because um, facing adversity in business, in life, is just part of the package, isn't it? Yes, it is. And yeah. I, I, I just wanted, I wanted to warn you, uh, Barney, you were, you were giving all of those great introductory comments and tell them everything that I'm going to be able to say to them. And I'm just thinking to myself, okay, i got about three minutes' worth of knowledge. Let's see how we can stretch that to an hour, right? <laughs> I don't believe that for one second. <laughs> now, you are, among other things, you um, are a best-selling author as well as you are directing your own radio network. Now, you have done a lot of things, WL. And maybe can you just start us way back at the first time that you can remember having a bright idea, because I know you're really the idea guy, and uh, so what was your really bright idea that you started off with? What was one of the first ones? You know, Marnie, I don't think anybody has ever asked that question ever, and I'm trying to think what would have been the very first one. Uh, what happens to me today is that I, I, I work half days, so at the end of 12 hours, I get tired and <laughs> quit. I love that. <laughs> so, 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 so it, 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 it's almost a, a daily habit. I, I'll decide, okay, that's it. That's all I can take. I'll, I'll go upstairs. I'll turn on the TV, and I'll sit, and I'll take a nap. If the nap goes too long, then when I go to bed, I can't get to sleep, and I'll lay there till 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, I'll come up with all these great ideas, and then the next morning I get out the whiteboard, and so when my staff shows up for work, they see the whiteboard, and it's either, oh, good, we've got something new, or, oh, God, no, what is he going to do to us now? Right, right. You sound like my husband. I always say Dave Dave lays awake at night dreaming of work for other people to do. <laughs> my only problem you know, is I don't have... I don't have enough enough other people to do the work. So <laughs> See, you know, that's always the problem. That's always the problem. But actually you've come up with some pretty great ideas in your in your time and you're here to share with us how yeah. to actually go from idea to getting through all of the other stuff that happens between there and not that every single obviously every single idea should not be born into all the way into maturity some of them are better left at the idea stage and dropped off somewhere early on but when you have an idea that you're like um this is really a good one i really want to go forward from here and you start down the path of that and possibly you've even prayed about it and you feel like yep this is how god wants me to go i feel that um, assurance in my heart, then then one of the things that's going to happen pretty on pretty early on is you're going to hit some resistance somewhere. There's going to be some adversity somewhere, um, sometimes a little bit, sometimes a lot. But what right. I wanted to start off with during this hour, WL, is just 
some of the attitudes that we need to address whenever we're facing adversity, whether it's with an idea or maybe just getting through a basic day of work, okay, of here's, life. Here's the key. Here's the key, Marnie. And a, a lot of people are looking for, you know, three easy steps or, hey, I, I, I'm ambitious. Give me seven moderately hard steps. But, but give me a formula of, of some kind. Everybody seems to be looking for a formula. And I have to tell you that in, in my life, uh, you know, to go to back to your question about what was my first really good idea, I was raised in an alcoholic's home. My stepfather was abusive. My mother was an alcoholic. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of pain and, and struggle uh, in those very early years, I started working when I was nine years old to get uh, mm -hmm. my school clothes and, and whatever else that I needed because I certainly wasn't going to get it from my parents. Um, and so I, I learned very early that when there's an obstacle or when there's a need, there is a way to get it done. Now, I didn't know anything at that age about creative thinking uh, I didn't know, you know, how, to, you know, a, a formula for coming up with a great idea. All I knew was I needed X, and so mm -hmm. I had to figure out something that I could do to be able to get X. So, as a as a child, uh, I walked down the street and just observed all the neighbors' houses. If the grass was long, I went to the door, sold my lawn mowing service. Now, of course, you had to furnish the lawn mower and the gas uh, if it was a gas mower or whatever, but I offered my lawn mowing service. If the car was dirty, I'd offer my car washing services. So it, it <laughs> was more uh, my back is against the wall. I'm faced with a necessity. Now, what can I do to meet my needs by helping someone else. And, and so that's really where my bright ideas started coming. Uh, today, it, it's really not a lot different than that. Uh, you know, we're talking about working with authors and, and doing uh, best-selling books and those things. And, and so, you know, when I'm laying there at 2 in the morning, I'm dreaming up ways that I can help the author be able to meet their goals, which, of course, is selling more books, selling their back end or uh, whatever it is. But what they're trying to do in the final analysis is they want to turn their job as a writer into a business rather than just being a hobby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you learned the probably the number one key to success in any business early on which is which is identifying the hole in the market so when you were right. walking down the street i was just thinking okay the lawn the lawn is too high you know the grass is too tall uh the hole in the market here is for a lawnmower and you just adapted yourself to whatever was needed and that's what you've continued to do is is see a need and meet that need um as and, and that's talking, really a key that's really a key i think it was norman vincent peel's wife who first coined the phrase "find a need and fill it"? Yeah. Whatever that yeah. whatever that need is, so so looking for great ideas uh, is really probably the backwards way to try to do it. You're better off to look for the need. What do people need? And then, all right, now how can I meet that need? Right. Uh, people, I've written 12 books, and people ask me a lot of times, how, how did you decide what to write about? And I always say, I answered the question, how do you do that? And so exactly. if I could find a book that was already written that did a good job of explaining it, I would just tell people, go read that book. <laughs> and I still do that. Go read that book. But if there wasn't anything out there, if there wasn't a resource out there that, that explained how to do whatever it is well, then I would write it. I would research it, and I would write it. And that's where I've always um, found successes in the unmet needs. Where is the unmet need? So I just love that that's, that's kind of your principle. But I want to loop us back around here to, to attitudes when facing adversity because that's really what we're talking about here today is how to actually get, get through the things that will stop us from meeting those needs, from actually going there. And 
you had you had given me four attitudes that you felt like um, we have to learn how to progress through. Would you want to just start with inherited and go sure. through that? Sure. Let me let let me preface that a little bit by saying I have a system. I I refer to it as cycles for success. So in my cycles for success, you, you have to start with hope. If there is no hope, then you're not you're not going to make any kind of an attempt. So for for example, you will not find me swimming the English Channel. There's no hope <laughs> right. for me whatsoever. So so take right. that one off the table. But if there is something that I have hope for, then mm. I need to start building into my subconscious the belief that I can take that beyond just being a hope or beyond just being a dream and turn it into reality. So, mm. so hope is the first step. Belief then is the second step. And then the third step is to take some kind of small action. Don't, don't make it too big. If you make the action too big, you're dooming yourself to failure. You dash your hopes, and you, and you then join all of the naysayers that said, oh, you can't do that. Nobody can do that. You, you don't have the talent. You don't have the money, whatever. So, so start with a small action so that you can actually get a success. Once you get that success, you have a positive result. Once I have a positive result, then that builds my hope. So I can take right. the next step. Let, let, let me illustrate this uh, on a practical uh, basis. I told you earlier that I, I grew up in an alcoholic's home, and and you know times were tough, and and basically I'd do anything to get out of going home. So when the band director asked me to move from the junior high band to the high school band because he needed an, another body, I, I gladly did that. And they were selling at that point. <laughs> You'll find out how old I am. These were 50-cent candy bars. Uh, today I think they're 5 <laughs> or $10, whatever. But in those days they were 50-cent candy bars. And they had a contest, uh, Marnie, for the person that would sell the most candy bars. Well, all the rest of the kids were checking out two or three candy bars, one for Mom, one for Grandma, one for Aunt Susie. I borrowed one of the other kids' bicycles that had a basket on it, and I checked out candy bars by the case. Now, it's not because mom was going to buy any because she didn't buy even one. Uh, it was because I was putting them in that bicycle basket, and like I had been doing already trying to meet my needs, I was just going down the street, calling on every house, go to the door, knock on the door, hello, we're having a, a fundraiser for new band uniforms, I've got these candy bars. How many would you like to buy? So, Marnie, I won the contest. The part that stuck with me was I didn't just win the contest. I outsold the rest of the band combined. So, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I, thought I, was, I thought I was a salesman. I was too young, too dumb. I didn't know any better. I didn't know that what I really was was a dedicated salesperson that would do anything to get out of going home. And if it meant going door-to-door selling 50-cent candy bars, then so be it. Let's go. Let's get the job done. I was probably 15, 20 years later before I figured out that I really wasn't a salesman and and had to start trying to (laughs) learn some of the sales techniques that are taught Mm -hmm. and, you know, closing techniques and, you know, how to talk to people and, you know, all those things. But it started, again, with that point of desperation. I need to meet a need here. And, hey, raising money for the band was they needed uniforms, and it got me out of having to go home. <laughs> That's so. awesome. Great story. This is this is Marnie Swedberg visiting today with W.L. Laney of WLLaney.com, L-A-N-E-Y.com. And we're going to come right back and talk about um, the attitudes that we come into life with and how to deal with them, strategic mindsets. We'll be right back.
planning an event for women or maybe you would like to attend an event for women but you don't know where to find them. If you go over to womensevents.info, which is a subdomain again of .com, but it's called womensevents.info, you will find all of the major upcoming women's events, including Beth Moore, Women of Faith, all kinds of different events there. And you are welcome to add your own Christian women's event at that site. There's usually a per event cost or else a per month cost, and you can do unlimited per month or a year unlimited or a lifetime unlimited, or if you just join the mentorship program at marnie.com with the shop button at the top right of the marnie.com page, you are going to get all of that <laughs> included. You can enter all of your events there. So check it out at womensevents.info. Welcome back. And before we get back to today's guest, W. Eleni, I want to introduce you to one of our speakers over at womenspeakers.com, Elaine Banks. She hails from Rome, New York. Um, she's a Christian speaker who does drama to proclaim the Word of God. And she's a pastor's wife. Uh, she's been the keynote speaker at many women's events, uh, seminars, camps, churches, and loves to design seminars for your theme. Some of her favorite topics that she's done already are Beyond Oz, Jumping for Joy, Singing in the rain, God's garden of grace. We are in this together, and it's just not easy being me. That's Eileen Banks, and you can check her out over at womenspeakers.com. Well, our guest today, W. Eleni, has taken us through some strategic mindsets for turning adversity into advantage. And W.L., welcome back. Thank you, Marnie. It's good to be with you today. Let's talk a little bit about the attitudes, because some of them are, number one, inherited. You, you, you grow up with uh, people that have a particular mindset, and you know they, whether they mean to or not, they implant those attitudes in us when we are children, and it is difficult, if not almost impossible, to get past those attitudes. And, yeah, I have and, to, WL, I just have to insert something here because I was just earlier this afternoon on a group coaching call that I lead with 21 Day Wins with gals, and um, I was sharing how I had, I had recently come to discover cauliflower, the vegetable cauliflower, that if you will cook cauliflower and add it to things, it adds this really creamy um, taste. And it doesn't have a taste of its own when it's combined with other stronger tastes. So I had said that I had put it into my um, into my protein drink, my chocolate protein drink, and it t- it made it taste almost like it had whipped cream in it. Now it was hilarious because this is this is a huge uninherited mindset <laughs> where my inherited mindset was that cauliflower was a vegetable that you ate if you really had to. <laughs> Then you need to smother it. <laughs> and and hopefully you never have to. Right, and hopefully you never have to. And now I've gotten to the very other end of the spectrum where I'm adding it to everything, including a chocolate beverage, in order to make it taste more like what whipped cream cauliflower really. So there's just so much hope that even if you've inherited an attitude, you don't have to keep it for the rest of your life. But they're really powerful, aren't they, the ones that we inherit? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Yeah. And. And the only way that you can you can get rid of those attitudes uh, that you grew up with is you have to trade them or exchange them for the positive attitude. So if you grew up with a family and and they were berating you, uh, uh, cutting you down all of the time, telling you that you were never going to amount to anything, that's that's ingrained in your subconscious. The only way to get out of that, and, and I talk about it in my book, The uh, Self-Administered Attitude Transplant, if you go to the hospital for surgery, the, the first thing that they do is they hook you up to the IV and they start pumping nutrients and vitamins uh, into you so that you are strong enough to withstand the surgery that they're going to perform. It's true in our mind as well. In our uh-huh. subconscious mind, we've got these bad attitudes, whether it's fear or whatever the attitude is. And let's just talk about fear for a moment because I want to trade my fear for self-confidence. So I need to to do something to exchange fear and put in its place self-confidence. So I suggest that I set up my own 
um, IV, and and I start plugging in all of the positive things that I can. So I'm going to read your books on positive attitudes. I'm going to read other people's books on positive attitudes. I'm going to focus on people who have been in my same situation or worse, and I'm going to learn from them how did they get out of it. And and that's what I like uh, to really encourage everybody to do is tell your story because your story is unique to you, and if you were able to overcome a specific obstacle, telling that story is going to help other people to say, hey, if W.L. did it or if Marnie did it, certainly I can as well. And and so that's part of uh, getting rid of those inherited attitudes. And, and as well, the, the, the next one that we sometimes talk about is learned attitudes. You know, <laughs> I, I remember a joke uh, that uh, I used to tell about the, the father that set his son up on top of the refrigerator and said, jump, I'll catch you. And the kid jumped and landed on the floor. And so he set him back up there and he said to his son, okay, go ahead, jump, I'll catch you this time, I promise. So the kid jumped, landed on the floor again. This went on two or three times. And finally the father said, now, son, don't trust anybody. Well, that's a learned attitude. Mm, yeah. And, and we learn those attitudes by the things that we do, the things that happen to us, and we have to be able to identify them as being wrong and then substituting them with the positive attitude that we want, and we do that by feeding our subconscious. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's interesting because sometimes, um, I use the word theophostic, shining God's light into a dark place where we have a wrong thinking and we don't even know it's there sometimes until someone else helps us or some situation brings it to light that, oh, this, even though I thought that this was true my whole life, now I see that maybe it isn't. And we're going to talk a little bit about that later on in this program, but just that we have these thought processes and they're not necessarily always right. They're not healthy. Well, and, and they, they, they stand in your way. They just, you know, they, they take away the hope. Right. In, in yeah. the cycle for success that I talked about where we start with hope, we move forward to belief, we start taking some actions, we get some positive results, that builds hope. If, if we focus on what we can't do, it works in the reverse, the same as it does toward the positive. The more, the more I try something and fail it, if I don't get that turned around, then it just builds my belief that, okay, I can't do this. And, and I was talking with the, uh, somebody, I think it was yesterday, uh, about one of the reasons people don't achieve is because they have this fear of failure and that fear of failure keeps them from taking that first positive step. And, and you just you, you have to understand why you feel the way you do, why you believe the way you do. And it's interesting that you talk about shining God's light in, uh, because back to your very first question, I guess probably my best ideas came to me when I was nine years old, and uh, people from the church came out and picked me up to take me to Sunday school and, and made me learn memory verses. Things like, mm-hmm. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Uh, those kinds of uh, Bible passages, they just they got settled in my subconscious, and that's what really helped me. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, some of um, another way that we get attitudes are they're planted by loved ones. In that situation, in that scenario, you were actually having some really terrific attitudes, um, some God-honoring attitudes planted in your subconscious. But there's also the possibility that some of the things that people implant us, like the the father who had let his son fall, um, you know, followed up that pain with the statement, never trust anybody. And we've got some of these deep-seated things going on, too. And then there's some that are constructed by conventional wisdom. Talk to me about that. Well, <laughs> I, I, I read a quote. Let me, let me see if I, can, if I can find it here. 
Um, somebody, let's see. Okay, uh, G.K. Chesterton said, I owe my success to having listened respectfully to the very best advice and then going away and doing the opposite. Hmm. <laughs> now, so, that, that, that may sound a little strange, but sometimes that's the very best thing that you can do because the conventional wisdom is just that. It's conventional. It's run-of-the-mill. It's float down the river with everybody else. If you're going to do something that is unique, you're going to achieve some success that people are going to look at and say, oh, wow, you're going to have to go against the uh, conventional wisdom and think for yourself. Don't, don't just automatically assume that just because everybody else is doing this that that's right. Now, I mean, there's some, there's some absolutes, you know, like uh, the law of gravity. Um, you know, it works every time. So, you know, don't climb up on top of the two-story building and step off just to prove that you're not going to follow conventional wisdom. So there, there is, some, there is something, some things that you just have to follow. But on the other hand, don't assume that just because everybody else is saying it or everybody else is doing it is that makes it the right thing to do. So think for yourself. Get, get beyond the conventional wisdom and move forward with your life. And, and if you try something and it fails, well, so be it. That didn't work. Let's try something else. Uh, Phil Myers, who uh, is one of my associates here, in the office, he has a favorite saying, uh, which is, fail forward fast. So let's go ahead and try <laughs> things. It. Let's let them fail. If they fail, when we're trying to move forward, get over it. Go on to the next one. Don't, don't let people tell you that, hey, your ideas stink. Remember when you suggested this? Yeah, I do, and I learned a whole lot from that. Now let's do this next one. I think it might work. Mm. I always like to define failure as feedback, and I, I work mostly with ladies, and it's really hard for us to do that. Women are very, um, we take responsibility for everything. You know, like a guy, you might say, you know, whose fault is that? And he would always point the finger out to somewhere else. Women, when we, um, when we say whose fault is that, we always point the finger back at ourselves and say, it must be mine, you know, so, <laughs> right. uh, just as a gener- generality. But, but the reality is that if we can redefine failure as feedback, it allows us to actually push forward and to find some of those holes in the market, to find some of those places where no one is serving, where they need someone, where there's a, there's a desperate need for just exactly how God created you, and, and you're, the, you're the missing piece right there to make exactly. that thing happen. Yeah. Well, this is Marnie Swedberg. We're visiting today with W.L. Laney. His website is wlaney.com. You want to check that out. We're going to come right back and talk a little bit about the three keys to transplanting a new power attitude. We'll be right back. 21-day wins. I love these. These occur most months of the year. The only time I don't do a 21-day win group coaching is if I will be traveling more than two of the three coaching sessions in a month. So if you want to break a habit, replace a bad habit with a good one, or start a new habit, or if you want to complete a project and you'd like some help, so maybe this is something you've been trying to do for a while and you'd like to really get it done this month, you just go over to Marnie.com and under events, pick live and upcoming events, and you can register for a 21-day win there. You can pay for that monthly. You can pay for it for life and get in as many as you want, or you can just join the mentorship program at the shop button at the top of any page at Marnie.com, and members get in free always. It includes a workbook as well as the weekly group coaching over at a private Facebook page. So hope you'll join us for an upcoming 21-day win. Welcome back. This is Marnie. And before we rejoin our guest today, W.L. Laney, I wanted to introduce you to another Christian speaker from womenspeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian speakers in the world. There's over 1,700 speakers over there for you to pick from, some near you, and some from every level of experience and fee range and denomination. So just go over there and find a speaker near you. But I wanted to introduce you right now to Carol Sully. She's from Bixby, Oklahoma. She's an inspirational speaker and 
writer. She's the founder of Two Know Christ Ministries, and it's her passion to know Christ and to make him known. Through her ministry, Carol speaks across the U.S. and writes for various publications, including Lifeway. She's also a pastor's wife and the director of women's ministry at her own church at New Beginnings in uh, Bixby, Oklahoma there. And she admits that she's addicted to Skechers tennis shoes, reality TV, and Dove chocolate. Her speaking style is full of humor, enthusiasm, and passion for God's words. You want to go check her out over at womenspeakers.com. Again, that's Carol Salee, S-A-L-L-E-E. And with that, we'd like to re-bring on our guest, W.L. Laney. Today, we're talking about strategic mindsets, turning adversity into advantage. W.L., let's just launch straight into transplanting our old attitudes with a new power attitude. Okay. Uh, I, I, I want to do that. I do want to uh, quote a Bible passage that uh, uh, you didn't give me time because we had to go to that crazy commercial break. Uh, but Emerson said, our greatest glory is not in never failing, but in rising up every time we fall. The Bible puts it more succinctly, though a righteous man fails seven mm-hmm. times, he will rise again the wicked are not so. And I think that's a real key for us. Whatever we're going to do in life, we have to understand that the only time we ever fail, truly fail, is in when we, when we refuse to get back up. I and so agree with that. Yep, that's, I really agree with that. So, so it's just, you know, failure, failure needs to be, uh, looked at as uh, a stepping stone. So we turn mm-hmm. obstacles into opportunity by looking at our obstacles and our failures. We, if we can look at those as stepping stones. I, I mean, yes, it's hard. It's hard on our ego. You know, it, it, nobody, wants to, <laughs> nobody wants to fail. Uh, we were playing softball one time, uh, two churches playing against each other, and we were, our team was doing very poorly, and I decided I've got to do something about this. And so I hit what was supposed to have been a base run, and I made it all the way to third base and decided, okay, I'm going to make this thing happen regardless. So I, I'm, this old guy, headed toward home base, halfway between third and home, I just you know, my my head is getting too far ahead of my feet. And I land flat on my face in the dirt. Oh, no. I'll never forget my mother-in-law <laughs> screaming from the stands, drag him across the base. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so it, it like may be now. humiliating to fall flat on your face, but you've Love got it. somebody that is standing behind you, cheering you on, even if it is drag him across the base. So don't don't let don't let a temporary setback turn into a failure. And and that's part of part of, of your attitude changing. And Marnie, if I could set this up for you uh just a little bit, uh, because we, we we're talking about success, we're talking about strategies and, and how we do that. I I mentioned earlier that one of the keys is to understand that when your back is against the wall, it's easier to get creative because you've got to figure some way out of this. About 10 years ago, I was living the life that everybody's dreaming about. I had the brand-new home. Colleen and I had built our dream home. I had an office on the top floor of the downtown office building. I was three blocks away from the golf course where I had my membership my friends were there, my church was there, my family was around. I was working on this huge project that was going to make us millions of dollars, and then the bottom fell out. First the business was lost, then the home was lost, then we are really out on the street. I'm age 59. It's a little hard to start over when you're that far along in life, at least that's what conventional wisdom says. And so what do you do when you have exhausted everything that you can do trying to put your success together and it all 
fails. Okay, so what I did was 40 years earlier, I had uh, traveled as an evangelist for our church, and uh, some old guy had taught me how to sharpen scissors, and, and so I did that to pay my way while I was out preaching the gospel. And so now when I lost everything, you know, we're still living in the house, even though they're foreclosing on it. They haven't thrown us out on the street yet. It's the middle of the summer in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. So as you know, uh, you need air conditioning, and of course you need to have food. And so I had to do something to put food on the table to keep the air conditioning going as long as we did have the house. So I went back to scissor sharpening, and I called on the salons. And I'm so I'm driving up and down the streets of uh, Phoenix, going into the salons to pick up money so I can buy groceries, so I can uh, take it home, and Colleen can put something on the table for dinner that night. It's whatever, 110 degrees. I'm driving uh, an older Mercedes convertible. The air conditioning has quit. I don't have any money to get it fixed, so I am literally carrying rolls of paper towel with me to wipe the perspiration off my body before I go into the next salon. Colleen called, and she said, how are you doing? And I had to face the fact at that moment, I just wasn't doing very well at all. Always have been, since my early childhood, finding Christ, always been upbeat, always looking at the positive side. I had to say, I'm not doing well. I need to make some changes. And that's when we started working on the Cycles for Success and learning how to do the success, what I call that success intravenous infusion, and replace fear with courage, uh, get rid of the low self-esteem, build self-confidence, all of those things that we want to see in our life, that they don't just happen. Uh, It doesn't happen even by saying, all right, oh, God, help me. You know, sometimes our, oh, God, help me prayers are, as much of a discouragement as it is to try to find something positive because what we're really saying is, I can't do anything about this, and God, I don't really think you can either. Um, but, but you have to make those positive steps. So what I was able to do, and again, this goes back, you've got to be willing to do whatever it takes. Okay, So I, I needed to make some changes. I needed to get some things. And in order to get those, I actually worked for uh, a little while as Mr. Peanut. I, I dressed up in the costume, and I went to the um, uh, Walmart open house and passed out peanuts at the door. Fortunately, uh, the people couldn't see into the screen that was covering my face, so they didn't see that it was me inside there. But sometimes you just you have to do whatever it takes to meet some very small goals. My small goals at that moment were just getting enough money together so that I can start putting together a new life, a new business, and I went on from that to build a patented sharpening system unlike anything else in the world, and I've been able to put uh, dozens of people out in the field with their own system making a living for themselves. I mean, it's a it's a business that people would never, ever think of doing, but it's a very lucrative business. Uh, so let's say a person is unemployed. Uh, they can come to our class for a week, buy our system. Uh, we'll finance them and put them out, and they can make up to $100,000 a year. Now, nobody would think of that, but that goes back to the creative side of life that goes back to my childhood walking up and down the street looking to see what do they need if they need their their yard mowed if they need weeds pulled if they need their car washed if they need windows washed you know whatever the need is if you'll just be open for those things that's that's what's going to start building for you and the only way you're going to do that uh, Marnie, is if you do start replacing your fear with courage, you do start replacing the self, 
the low self-esteem with self-confidence and, and, and move it forward one step at a time. Hmm. You have kind of an interesting definition for ADD. It's not the typical one. Do you want to tell us about that? <laughs> well, yes. Let's talk about transplanting uh, to a new power attitude. Uh, first off, I need to be aware, and, and let me just put it succinctly, I need to be aware that I'm all screwed up on the inside. Mm-hmm. Whether whether it happened from inherited attitudes or learned attitudes in the past or if I'm overcome with conventional wisdom and I've uh, and I've studied myself to death, you know. I, if I can just go to one more class, Marnie, go to one more workshop, go to one more and seminar, have it. <laughs> I'll get this all put together. Okay. All right. Or it maybe it's my loved ones that you know they're just unwilling to stand behind me. The, instead of of saying, "Oh, hey, W O, that's a great idea," they're saying, well, "We tried that once and it didn't work." So we we've got to become aware of what it is that is hindering us. So that's the first, that's the A. The first D is I need to get disturbed about it. That's that's one way to say it. What I like to say is I really need to just get mad about the circumstance that I'm in and, and understand it. it is my fault. I got here on my own, and let's see about what I have to do to get out of there, which gives me the third D, uh, in my ADD is to make the decision. So I become aware, I get disturbed, I make a decision, and then once I make that decision, then don't take my eyes off of the goal. Henry Ford said it this way, obstacles of those frightful things that you see when you, I'm sorry, Obstacles are those frightful things that you see when you take your eyes off your goal. If you keep your eyes on the goal, you don't see all of the obstacles, all the things. Well, there's 400 reasons why that won't work. Well, there's one reason why it will, and I'm going to pursue that one that one way. So that's that's my ADD, Marnie. Love it, love it. I like to use the um, analogy of a book. So if you pick a focal point across the room somewhere, maybe a flower arrangement or the door handle or something just far across the room, and then you look at that, but then you pick up a book in front of you and you hold that book open in front of your face, now all of a sudden you've lost the view of the door handle or the flower arrangement or whatever it was you were looking at a moment ago. And in order to restore that view, you have to close the book. Now, you can still have it in your hands, but if it's wide open, if it's consuming your thought, you no longer can right. see what you were looking at before. And, and when I close that book, I like to, I like to put my hands together like a prayer. Uh, with my hands closed together, then I keep my, keep my eyes focused on God while I'm going for the goal. But sometimes that goal just gets so big in our face, we can't see God anymore. And sometimes... An, an adversity or a challenge gets so big in our face we can't see the goal anymore. And the the idea always is to bring that thing back down into the size and perspective that God would want us to have for it. We're going to come right back in our last section and talk about your uh, wonderful success intravenous infusion. Can't wait to hear this. We're going to be right back. Do you ever plan events for women like luncheons, teas, retreats, conferences, ladies' night out, anything like that? Over at Marnie.com, under the Events tab, you'll find theme sets. And there's 32 event planning theme sets. You can purchase them individually. Or if you're a member, you get access to all of them. To join, just go up to the Shop button at the top. But under there, there are all these different theme sets. Each one includes templates for posters, bulletin inserts, tickets, you get event ideas and more. And the categories, the theme titles include things like Victory and Jesus, Personality Type, Silent Auction, uh, Pearls of Great Worth, Gifts Galore, Spiritual Health, Overcoming Grief, Trip Around the World Event, uh, Soaring Faith Event, Daisies, Stars, Fast and Fabulous Food Event, Heart Notes, Major to the Cross, Keys and Kingdom, Spiritual Warfare, Rags to Riches, Running the Race, Rodeo, Princess, Living Water, Women Under Construction, and so many more. So that's all at Marnie.com under the Events tab. 
Hey, welcome back to you. Uh, this hour is just flying by with our guest, W.L. Laney. Before we go back to the last segment, I have one more speaker I get to introduce you to you today. Her name is Therese Williams, and she is from Irvine, California. Therese's background and training is in theater. She's taught college theater and has acted for t- 10 years. And now God's using all that to help her train and um, bring energy, enthusiasm, and expression to her own speaking engagements as well as to her speaking coaching. She she has biblical training, uh, 13 years as a Bible study fellowship leader, and also she's a graduate of CLASS, which is Christian Leaders, Authors, and Speaker Seminar. She's also serving currently as a regional speaker trainer. Uh, for Stonecroft Ministries in Southern California, and she loves to speak to women's groups, considers that ministering to them. She loves laughing with them and just spending time with them as part of the package. You can find out more about Therese over at womenspeakers.com. Just click on California, and then you will see Therese right there. Her name is spelled C-H-A-R-I-S-S-E, Therese Williams from California. A bunch more over there for you to check out. Welcome back. Doctor, I want to call you Dr. Laney. Are you a doctor? Uh, uh, well, no, I have no <laughs> patience whatsoever. <laughs> well, that was such a great answer. That's so funny. I don't know why I wanted to call you Dr. Laney all of a sudden, but I did. So you, you've, you've thoroughly impressed me. <laughs> Way to go. Well, let's go. Oh, because we're going to talk about intravenous infusions. Well, no wonder my white mind just went straight to doctors. But we're actually talking about attitudes here. So why don't you launch us straight into this. What is it, WL? What is an intravenous infusion for our attitudes? Okay, the the intravenous uh, infusion is the IV that I talked about briefly earlier in the show where I'm going to prepare myself for an operation. The operation is going to be to cut out the negative attitude and transplant in a new positive attitude. Now, before we, before we really dive into that, you, you need to understand that if you, you can spend all your time thinking, planning, but if you don't take action, nothing is going to happen. Okay, so so in this in getting this uh, IV, if you will, going uh, as an example, for a number of months on my radio show, we talked about the problem of unemployment and the millions of people that are unemployed. We talked about the fact that they're they're not able to find a job. They're losing their houses. They're spending their retirement money. We're going to have an entire baby boomer generation where the majority of those people are rushing toward a cashless retirement. That's a problem that this country has to wake up and face. So rather than just talking about it, I decided that we would do an anthology where I would gather a group of authors, we would write a book, and we titled the book Real Hope for the Unemployed. We launched it a few weeks ago. It went number one bestseller in three different categories in the U.S., two categories in Canada, one in the U.K. We got the number one hottest-selling new release. We got number four in the uh, most recommended. All of that is nice, but the real value is that we have a book that will help the person that is unemployed. There are practical tips on how to find a new job. There are practical Mm -hmm. tips on how to do an interview. There are practical tips on how to dress. But there's also the other side of it, the emotional side, on how to maintain your positive attitude, what you can do when you've lost the one thing that has given you the self-esteem in your life, which is for men particularly, they they find themselves, they're, they're... their fulfillment in their job. They lose their job and they can't get another one after you've gone on three or four interviews and they tell you you're too old, uh, you're too this, you're too that. No, we don't need anybody like you. Uh, You know, that's hard for people. And so we've got positive things in the book to help get through to bridge that gap. Okay. Now, anybody who is listening who is unemployed, the first person who calls uh, and the, the easiest number to call is just 855-WL-LANEY. That's 
855-263-9555-2639. The first person that calls, I will give away a free copy uh, of that book. The rest of you, I'm going to encourage you to uh, go to Amazon, go to your bookstore, whatever. It's real hope for the unemployed. Don't buy a book, please. Buy a case of them and give them away to friends, relatives, and neighbors that are struggling with this unemployment issue. Okay, now that's my commercial for the for the day. Is that all right, Marnie? <laughs> all right. <laughs> it, uh, th- this is a place of, of where you ask for forgiveness instead of permission, right? Because I always get it. <laughs> all right. Now, let's talk about let's talk about the IV. Uh, we're working on a new anthology, and the title of it is Real Hope Success Strategies. In this book, I am inviting authors to tell their story. What was it that you had to overcome? And how did you overcome it? What are the steps that you took? So basically then it is, what is your personal success strategy? I'm putting together a group of authors that are going to be willing to just bear their soul. Uh, Marnie, you know this as well as I do. You get all of these uh, biographies in from authors and people who want to be a guest on your show, and it's, hey, I did this, I made a bazillion dollars, and now I'm living happily ever after. Well, when you really start talking to these people, you find out that they had the same problems that you had. They had the same obstacles to overcome that you did, and there's a lot of different ways to overcome those obstacles, and that's what we're putting in this book is a lot of ways that you can take wherever you are and turn that around and turn it into success. So it doesn't matter if it's fear. Gain some courage by reading what other people have overcome. And if you can't wait for our new book to come out, just go to the library and get some success stories uh, by people who have done something unique with their life, something that stands out, something that goes beyond the conventional wisdom that we talked about earlier. Get somebody that did something uh, outlandish, something extraordinary. Read their story. Um, I don't think we've talked about this at all yet, Marnie, but sometimes you need to get rid of some of your friends. If, if your friends are tearing you down, if your friends are just feeding you with, with negative thoughts, if they're taking you the wrong places, you know, we, we talk about it with, with teenagers a lot, you know, they, while they were running with the wrong crowd, adults run with the wrong crowd. We, we, we spend too much time with negative people. Dump them. Get rid of them. Get some new friends. Get... Make make, Napo- make Napoleon Hill one of your friends. Make Zig Ziglar one of your friends. Make uh, Jim Rohn one of your friends. Just become so engrossed with what they had to say, the books that they wrote, the seminars that they did, the cassettes. Does anybody even have a cassette player anymore? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Barney, I'm going to be 70 here in a few months. I, I still know what cassettes are. But the the point is... Fill your mind, and that's what I'm talking about when we talk about the success intravenous infusion. It's fill your conscious mind so full of positive stories, positive success, that that will settle down through into your subconscious. We're controlled more by our subconscious than we are our conscious. Our, our conscious can, can you know take us a little ways, but it's the subconscious, it's that inner strength that is automatic. I, I, I thought of this the other day. I, I'm probably going to write a book on it someday, Marnie, and, and that is uh, for, the, for the Christian crowd, and that is how to have automatic faith. And by uh-huh. that I mean you hear somebody that says, oh, they just got diagnosed that they have cancer. Well, the first thing that we do, the automatic response is, Oh, no, they're going to die. I would like for us to be able to turn that around so that my automatic response is, 
oh, there's hope. Here's some of the things that they can do. Here's what we can do. We're going to set up a prayer chain. We're going to do all of these things. We're going to we're going to help them. We're going to stand behind them. We're going to lift them up, and we're going to walk through this trial with them. I mean, we're not going to get rid of the trials. We're not going to get rid of the struggles. We're not going to, you know, clear away all the obstacles so that all we've got before us is this wide open, uh, paved pathway that you know anybody can follow. We're in this life. This life has struggles. It has obstacles. But we can learn how to overcome them, and we do that by filling our, posit- our, our conscious mind with all the positive input. Let that dribble down or sieve through, if you will, sift through into your subconscious. When you get it in your subconscious, you are undefeatable. There is no failure when you've got that positive, I can win, when that's in, enveloped in your subconscious. You just, it, you're, you're going to be a winner. That's it. There's no other choice. Yeah, that's awesome. We just have a few minutes left, and I wanted to ask you one important question. Why do you feel failure is so important? Well, I feel failure is important because it uh, helps me to understand that it, it isn't just me, but rather it is God helping me. It isn't just me. It is my spouse helping me. It isn't just me. It's my friends helping me. And then I will go through with uh, what I refer to as a servant's attitude. I'm I'm not going to be arrogant. I'm not going to be the know-it-all. I'm going to be a servant. This is what I had to do, Marnie. These are the steps that I had to take, and it worked for me. It may not work for you. You may need to listen to somebody else's story, but this is my story and this worked for me, and that that failure became a stepping stone for me, and let me reach out to you, take you by the hand, and let's let's move forward through the next obstacle together. Does that make sense? Absolutely. James talks about that so much that we go through these hard things in order to be useful. I mean, that's just part of part of the whole process of, of training us as, and even Jesus had to go through hard things. Um, he, didn't, he didn't just get to escape all of the hard things in life because he was God, even that when he was here, he had to go through hard things. And just so, so encouraging. Uh, W.L., before I let you make one final comment here, I wanted to just read from Philippians chapter 1, verse 28 in the Amplified Version. I love this verse. And do not for a moment be frightened or intimidated in anything by your opponents and adversaries, for such constancy and fearlessly on your part will be a clear sign and proof and seal to them of their impending destruction, but a sure token and evidence of your deliverance and salvation, and that from God. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Now, there's, one, there's, another, there's another passage that talks about uh, these things came upon or happened to us to make us stronger, Mm-hmm. There are days, Marnie, I have to tell you, I have to talk to God and say, God, I think I'm strong enough. Can you kind of I'm let so up strong. a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> can, yeah. you, can you let up a little bit? Uh, but seriously, we do learn from our failures, and they do make us better. And when we are better, then we can reach out and help other people with their success as well. Absolutely. Well, this is Marnie Swedberg, today's guest, W.L. Laney. Thank you so much for being here. Well, Marnie, thank you for having me. Remember, the free book is at 855-WL-Laney, and you already told them to go to my website, wllaney.com. Marnie, thank you so much for having me on your program. Thank you. And you guys, if you haven't already dialed that number, dial that number. Good grief, 855-955-2639. Or go and check it out at wllaney.com, W-L-L-A-N-E-Y L-A-N-E-Y.com. Always a delight being with you. Thank you so much for spending your afternoon or whatever time you're listening to this with us. And I hope you have a great rest of the day. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.